Welcome back to No Idea, the podcast where you have no idea what we're going to talk about and we have no idea how it's going to go. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so thankful to be back on and making a new episode with my, dare I say it, best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I have been daydreaming about the day when Ava and I could do a podcast episode together. So Ava, thank you so much for being the guest today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. So that's her voice, people. Isn't it soothing? (laughs) Okay, Ava, I would love it if you introduce yourself. It's been a long time coming. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Um, So hello, I am Ava. Um, I have been... I dare yeah dare I say best friends with Jenny since oh my gosh what 2000 2015 15 yeah yeah 2015 oh what what a joy it has been um so I am uh 22 and um I study psychology sociology and criminology um I have four sisters and one brother and they are the absolute joys of my life they are my best friends um and then my primary passions are the lord and racial justice also uh, a little tidbit about myself i love lebron james and peanuts and as jenny <laughs> knows i lived off of peanuts and cranberries for a good part of my existence and our friendship <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean ava i it's really hard for me to actually put into words who you are as a person because you know when you know someone so well you're like wow when do I where do I really start actually (laughs) so guys she for a great part of our high school careers ate peanuts and craisins as like her her snacks her breakfast lunch and dinner like she just had (laughs) an obsession with peanuts and craisins and also with milk for a while but you're lactose intolerant right yeah yes i was (laughs) or am am still struggling still struggling (laughs) it's such a hard life (laughs) so tough that you did to yourself anyway yeah (laughs) um ava i would love to tell the audience how we first became friends because it's such a good story so would you like to start us off and i'll add in as we go Oh, of course. So I think it really started, which we had a mutual friend in high school. And this person, um, she came to us and she said she was leaving. And we both like looked at each other and we were like, oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do? Like, we were friends because we were just friends with her. And we were like, okay, I mean, I guess we're just gonna we're just gonna begin this new adventure together. And then I think it really (laughs) took off in study hall. Right, because you were a mutual friend, and I knew that I enjoyed being around you, but we just hadn't had a lot of time where we just hung out because she was the other friend was always there. Right. So once she left, I was like, oh, my word. I did not realize that Ava is the funniest person I <laughs> ever met. <laughs> it was it was definitely it was a mutual like just realization of oh my gosh why is this person so important to me yeah <laughs> why do we click so well it's so funny because we thought the other person was hilarious but we were in study hall because you had to be quiet in study hall <laughs> and I felt like every day I guess this started in junior year every day we would like sit next to each other and we would like have to hold in our laughter until we cried in study hall together and I felt like it was a daily thing we were definitely the teacher's least favorite like without a question (laughs) 
<laughs> we sat so close to him too. We did not think that through. No, did not think that through. <laughs> so I think that you were you knew who Jesus was at that time, but you your relationship with him wasn't prominent in your life. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I have known I have known Jesus since I was five. Mm-hmm. So I think um I think knowing of him, though, and having a relationship with him are two different things. Yes. So I would definitely say that I knew of him and loved him, but having a close relationship with him was just not where I was at that point, for sure. Right. Um, And I remember one day, I think that you made some kind of joke about that was like demeaning towards yourself. Most likely. Yeah. (laughs) Most likely. (laughs) And... I remember thinking to myself, like, she does that pretty often. And I just, like, asked you, I was like, do you actually think that about yourself? And you were like, well, yeah, I think so. And so I think that's where our friendship took a deeper level. Because I let you borrow one of my books that, like, changed my life and and took my relationship with Jesus to a deeper level. So I think you borrowed that book. And then I just saw this, like, greater interest in you that, you wanted to know God. And then I think that I, I don't think you had a church at the time. And I think randomly one day you were just like, can I come to church with you? <laughs> I was like, of course you can. So, Cause I mean, you know, like when you just see, when you just see a light in someone, you know, and especially if you're struggling with a lot of self doubt and which is, you know, very prominent, I feel like at that age, but um, especially for me, it was a very big struggle. And you were just like that light, you know, that was I was just like, what does this person have? Like, there's something, there's something so different here, you know, so I was like, once I read that book, and I found out like, okay, wait a minute, like God is like this amazingly loving God. And I watched the way that like you interacted with people. I think that just like it changed everything for me. And it just like gave me that desire to really pursue that deep love that I could tell that you were fulfilled by, if that makes any sense. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. I love our friendship story. Honestly, most special thing. I just, you know, I was like, I guess we were both 16 at the time. And I just like, didn't know who my friends were going to be that school year. Right. There had been so much transition, people moving, people coming back in and all this stuff. So the fact that God just placed me next to you in study hall, it was like, here's a good gift. Now take it and run with it. (laughs) The feeling was definitely mutual. You were a gift to me as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. We would come back after the weekends and come back on Monday and be like, I missed you so much. (laughs) I still have all those letters that you wrote to me over the weekend of how much you miss me. I would write to you how much I missed you. (laughs) Oh, good times. Well, I am so glad that we met like that because it honestly leads into such a huge theme in both of our lives is that the Lord is setting us free. And it's kind of a lifelong process. We just learn what we've taken on as bondage in our lives. And we're specifically talking about, in this episode, we're talking about freedom from shame. And honestly, freedom from shame is something that every person needs to experience in some kind of way, because shame is a universal feeling. So, Ava, would you be able to define what shame is for us? Oh, yes, absolutely. 
So actually, my mom came to me this morning and she had been listening to a podcast and she was like, oh, my gosh, I know you and Jenny are talking about shame today. And I just heard this amazing like definition of what it is. And um, she says that it stands for, well, you know, she um, what what is her name? Lisa Turkist, right? That's her first. I think Turkhurst? Turkhurst? <laughs> so Lisa Turkhurst actually um, defined it by saying that um, shame stands for self-hatred at my expense. Wow. So really, you know, it's a feeling of I am bad, um, I'm not good enough, and really just like humiliation, I think is the best way to kind of define it you know I think it manifests differently for different people but at its core I think it's like humiliation and um, a feeling of you're not good enough right and it's not even saying like okay I did something bad or um I'm not in a good place right now it's saying like I am bad and I am not enough you know it's like taking on that as identity yes I just would describe this in the way that it feels I think that I would describe it as like you're up on stage putting yourself out there and then all of a sudden the entire audience is like boo boo <laughs> you stink get off the stage and then they throw rotten tomatoes at you that is the feeling of shame for me what's the feeling of shame for you Ava <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely feel like I don't, I don't know why I'm laughing again it's not funny but um <laughs> boo, I feel like boo, you stink <laughs> <laughs> So when I think of shame, I just feel like um, the feeling that Adam and Eve like experienced, you know, when they sinned and then they immediately ran and hid from God. Like for me, it's just like you just cloak yourself in a blanket and you just sit in the corner like by yourself because you just don't want anyone to see it. You don't e- you don't even want to acknowledge it. You're just like, I'm just going to sit over here and hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think the blanket will make you feel better, but it doesn't make you feel better. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel better at all. You're just hot. What you need <laughs> is a real hug. <laughs> okay, Ava. So you are the one who mentioned that this was the topic you wanted to talk about. And I was like, yes, let's run with that. <laughs> um, I knew you just have so much wisdom about it. But I would love to hear why this topic of being set free from shame is so important to you and how you have experienced that as well. Absolutely. So um, in my early days of being a Christian, um, I had made the decision that validation of boys was going to be the way that I sought to fill the lack of love um, that was in my heart. So throughout the end of high school and beginning of college, um, I just did not date great guys or have pure relations and intentions with these guys. I remember distinctly thinking like one night that um, there was no point and waiting for a God-honoring and um, loving husband that I had envisioned since I was a little girl, um, because that just simply wasn't going to be a reality for me. In the middle of college, um, God really introduced me to um, such an amazing um, friendship, and he really, um, through this introduction in that friendship, God reintroduced me to the hope that I had lost. Through this person's Christ-like character, he really reeled me into pursuing God more. So um, even though I think that I, you know, that God had replenished that hope, I didn't really believe it with my heart. So this past, um, this past summer, actually, God has really um, been opening 
me up, like really just been deepening my relationship with him. And he's really been helping me um, take my hurt and lack of trust to him. It really helped me to look in at my own heart and um, put into words the effect that the past mistakes were currently having on my thinking. So really, it was through those um, quiet times with God that he was revealing things to me that I began to really notice him focusing on growing me as a wife. I was believing him about literally everything that he said, except for the marriage part. Um, And I began to dismiss his words as my own desire and not the desire that he had for my life. The turning point um, was really when one of the ladies in my small group shared specific experiences that she had in her struggle with sexual sin and it hit so many points in my heart and then I realized that I was so ashamed of that part of my own testimony. Um, I didn't want to shine a light on what God had healed but I wanted to hide who I was because I realized that I was still holding on to that mistake and allowing my character now to be defined by the character I had before Christ did his miraculous work in my heart. He began to show me through his word that desiring your husband is holy and he wants you to be best friends with your spouse. Um, And then this revelation just really wrecked me, honestly, because that's when I realized that even though I knew this information in my head, I didn't realize this was specifically what God wanted for me. In a way, honestly, I think I was expecting a punishment or a marriage to someone I didn't love because of the things that I had engaged in before marriage. Um, And then I realized that these were lies from the enemy trying to keep me in a place of shame. And this shame was then keeping me from from believing the beautiful promises that God was showing me, clouding my vision to His glory and keeping my heart in a place of restraint and humiliation. Wow, that is incredible. And honestly, I know that you are definitely not the only person who has experienced that. And our past mistakes are in the past, but they still can affect us even current day if we're still living in shame. So that was when your head made the connection to your heart and God just made that happen, set you free. So beautiful. Absolutely. The thing is, the enemy loves to use shame in any area of our lives that he can so you could have shame about things you have done in the past you could have shame about things you haven't done in the past and you could have shame about um, things that have happened to you that you didn't have control over in the past so in my experience I felt so much shame when I started to like a boy because I was thinking to myself oh if I like him that means that I'm not focusing on Jesus enough or that means that my relationship with the Lord is is drifting because I'm I'm also liking a boy and I can't have split attention on that but honestly it was just the enemy trying to convince me that this this idea of a good relationship that was God honoring was not for me and that's something that shame likes to do in our lives is is we disqualify ourselves from receiving what God wants us to walk into because we think that shame is the better option. Like we have to punish ourselves for something that we did or didn't do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Yeah, and it's just so crazy. But thank you for sharing your story with us because that sheds a lot of light on it. 
So if we continue to choose to live in shame, how do you think that that could possibly affect us in our day-to-day life? I think shame is really um, a vehicle used by the enemy to keep us quiet, right? So I think God wants us to be honest with our struggles and show others how through Christ's love and goodness, we have been able to overcome sin's hold on our lives And Satan would really love for us to keep God's glory and rescue a secret because it leaves, um, you know, other believers and maybe other people struggling with the same thing, wondering, am I alone in this? And is this something for me to be ashamed of? And, you know, as long as things are are hidden in your heart, either from God or from um, people that can help you, then it's very difficult for um, us to get better and for God to really work those things out in our hearts. Right. That's so true. And it is used to keep us quiet, like you said. And he does that a lot through accusations. And he's, I think that the word calls the, the enemy the accuser. And it's like all his shame accusations will come by saying, you're not enough you can't do this. Don't you know what you've done? And all of them are focused on you. That's the thing is that he wants to pull your focus away from Jesus who can change everything, but instead he wants to put the focus on yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's a lot of, honestly, it's a lot of pride. So how do you think pride is tied in with shame? Um, at least for myself, I can say that I was humiliated, honestly, by the way I behaved. And um, even though God has told me that he does not define me by those past mistakes, I was so much more focused on how I define myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was keeping my eyes fixed on me, my past, when really it's not about that at all. God is so, so good and he's so loving And the minute I fix my gaze on trusting who he is instead of who I was, then that is when my hope for the future returned, honestly. Yeah, that's really good. And let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, what if I'm living in shame and I'm just not aware of it yet? What are some signs that we can look to in our lives to see if we are operating out of shame instead of freedom in Christ? I would definitely say... Just the the way of thinking is one of the ways that it really became evident for me. I started to really examine my thoughts in my heart, and I asked God to examine my heart and to reveal those things. And um, I think shame really can cause us to people, please, um, because we try to outperform the feeling that we are not good enough. Wow. So I definitely think people-pleasing is a huge I guess, like red flag, like, okay, what is, what is my intention behind this? Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Just questioning our own thoughts in a way. I mean, the, the Bible says to take every thought captive and teach it to obey Christ. So we just have to keep in mind, like every thought that we think isn't necessarily true. Yes. Every thought that we think isn't necessarily true. From ourselves, we could be thinking something throughout the day and then this random thought comes in. You're like, whoa, that was really mean. (laughs) Yeah, that was like an accusation towards me. And you could be thinking like, do I really think that about myself? Or you can be like, okay, maybe 
I recognize this as a fiery dart of the enemy trying to tear my day down, trying to tear my self-esteem down, trying to get me to not believe what Christ has already declared for me and set me free from. So we should be mindful of our own thoughts and only truly accept the ones that belong um, in God's truth. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that, Ava. (laughs) And so if the mistakes that we've made are in the past and they've already happened, how can we see God redeem them even though they're already done? I would definitely say taking this element of our heart to God is first and foremost. Um, This is being honest with ourselves and being honest with God about our mistakes. Uh, He wants to help us become more like him, but also does not enter where he's not invited. So from there, we can ask him for forgiveness and work with him on forgiving others and ourselves. Um, he, re- he really begins to, wor- to do the work in us, and we are just to be submitted to what he wants to do and be obedient to his requests. An example of this, like for me, he asked me to take a break from dating or talking to guys romantically for a year and a half. And it took me so long, honestly, to do this because I love the person I was with. But um, once I actually listened to him, God had room to work and everything changed for me at that point. So God will really help you in the most amazing ways. He does the heavy lifting, no doubt. Um, But if you want to have him take you where he wants to take you, you have to be willing to die to your own desires and submit to the direction he is leading you. Right. And I'm so glad you said he does the heavy lifting because I have no intention of working out. Right. (laughs) No weightlifting for me. No weightlifting. So that was just a one summer thing. Yeah, not for me. (laughs) Praise the lamb. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So sometimes when we do something wrong, we can feel really bad about it and say, I regret that. But what is the difference between feeling shame and guilt about that wrong or feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit about it? Just the voice of, you know, which one you have to discern of the voice of which one it's coming from, you know, because shame is like you said, it's an accusation like you are bad. You did this. And, you know, it's not um, it's not from a holy place and it's not from a good place where um, conviction is holy. You know, you um, you recognize that I did something wrong. You go to God, ask for forgiveness, and then you just don't repeat it again, you know? And it's not kind of like this this stabbing question of what did what can I do to make it better because it's already been made right. Right! So good! Yeah, there really isn't, once we have committed a sin, there's nothing you can truly do to, like, make up for it. Oh, no. What's done is done. (laughs) What's done is done. You can't erase that. (laughs) The thing is that it is Christ's righteousness that covers us. We are covered in his robes of righteousness. And so he is the one who took that on the cross for us. He already paid the price. And so the problem comes when we're like, no, I can make it better. Watch this. No, I can fix it. Watch this. Yeah. And we are just like spiraling in a shame storm, honestly, when we try to make it up. That's so good. 
So Ava, is there any final encouragements or advice that you would give anyone who is listening to this podcast? I would say that we are all just so blessed because our God is a loving God and he is not a God of shame or guilt. And he is just so loving and he's so good that no matter what our past looks like, he is so kind that he just, he wants to redeem us and he wants to point us to a hopeful future. Yeah, that's so good. (laughs) Ava, thank you so much for being on this podcast. My daydreams have become a reality. (laughs) So I'm so happy that you got to share here and I just pray that everyone who listens will be able to identify areas in their life that maybe they have allowed the enemy to cause some shame in their hearts and that through your testimony, people will be set free. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an honor. I am honored to have you as a best friend. So thank you so much for putting up with all my shenanigans and word vomiting all those times and (laughs) laughing with me all those times until we cry. I'm just blessed i'm pretty sure you gave me a notebook back in junior year that said hashtag blessed oh no oh, i definitely did for yeah, sure, I definitely did, for sure. <laughs> that was a phase <laughs> that was definitely a phase <laughs> okay uh well this has been no idea podcast ava and jenny signing off see you around mm-hmm.